Welcome to a very special episode of Heart to Heart with Michael. This is episode 12 of season 2, and while we don't generally like to date ourselves, we're going to break that rule today. It's December 2018, and we're going to take what I hope will be an interesting look back at the guests who joined us this past year. Our theme has been a celebration of life, and all of our guests have given us insight into their loved ones and how they remember and celebrate their memories. In what was a truly international year for us, we spoke with guests from the United States, Australia, and Israel, giving us an international and cross-cultural look at the way we love, miss, and remember our loved ones. We opened our season once again with the producer of Heart to Heart, Nancy Jensen, who spoke about her daughter Jessica. Nancy shared many ways to remember and celebrate Jessica, but one that we can all share with her is lockets. She creates jewelry from charms that remind her of Jessica and that she keeps with her everywhere and every day. I am with Origami Owl Jewelry, and we personalize lockets. And the way I came about finding them is I was invited to a party, and when I saw some of the charms on there, it was like Jessica was excited, and she's like, Mommy, 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 I would love those. Oh, my gosh, you got to get them. <laughs> so I had to get them. <laughs> and put them in a locket, and it has grown from having a couple of princess charms to butterflies. And um, we have these dangles and different things. And it has helped me heal so much by having that locket. And um, I've had other friends and customers who have created lockets about those who they are bereaved of. And they love their lockets. And they gift lockets to other people who, who are bereaved. Or they're celebrating somebody with these lockets and helping others is something that I absolutely love to do and these lockets is one way to help others while honoring Jessica and I just enjoy it so much. Cameron Miller of Australia created a foundation in memory of his son Sean. The foundation raises money for research for congenital heart defects and will soon be producing a major motion picture on the life and trials of Sean. When asked what Sean's greatest attribute was, he spoke lovingly of Sean's willingness to give to others so that they could carry on as he saw his life ebbing away. Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart, and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. He goes, I've, done, I've had my time on earth. So, yeah. He sounds like he was a very, very special person. How old, how old was he when he died? 17. 17. So he really did not have a chance to experience life like anybody else you would think. But in, in some no, sense, he experienced so much more in such well, a short absolutely. time. Like when, you, when you read his book, you, you'd just be absolutely amazed, um, you know, what, what he went through. And, um, you know, and he, you know, he was always about motivating other people and um, giving that gift to, you know, to, to keep everyone else happy. Do you do you think it's because he was sick, or do you think he was just that kind of person who, oh, you know, just looked at the good of everything? Um, as I said, he he puts it down to that night he had the epiphany when he was eight years old. When I told you about what happened, mm-hmm. um, he puts it down to that that particular moment that changed his whole demeanor and life. Comedian, actor, singer, writer, and co-founder of the Firesign Theater Comedy Quartet. Philip Proctor made a double appearance on Heart to Heart. In his first interview, he spoke of longtime friend and comedic partner Peter Bergman, who died several years earlier. Together, 
Proctor and Bergman had worked in comedy for nearly 50 years, and their relationship was bound up in years of laughter and friendship. The most important thing that I carry with me from my time with Peter is the idea that funny makes friendships last. <laughs> okay? Uh, so much of our whatever strife or conflict that we uh, experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor and the fact that the two of us together could make one another laugh, okay? This is true of the whole group. The Firesign Theater, you know, four guys, four very smart, egotistical, uh, uh, performance-oriented men writing and working together is bound to create conflict over time, you know? And the one thing that always kept us together was that we could make one another laugh. And we could could, uh, translate any kind of anger or angst that we had into into comedy and that's the legacy that that peter gave me uh, which was uh, this amazing understanding that humor heals everything appearing for a second time philip proctor talked about his longtime firesign theater friend companion and partner phil austin and what their relationship meant after nearly five decades of working together Philip celebrated their long-standing friendship. I mentioned when we talked about Peter Bergman that loyalty was, you know, the attribute that I got from from him. But from from Austin, uh, it was the value of friendship. And when we worked together, the Firesign Theater, the four men, when we wrote together and worked together and produced together, it was because we were friends together. And when we didn't work together, it was because we were in an unfriendly time of our lives where we we couldn't get along with one Mm -hmm. another for various reasons. And Austin was the one who would come back to us, who who actually demanded that we be friendly with one another because he knew that that was the, the glue that bonded us together and allowed us to write and have these conversations, these creative conversations, and work together because we, we could trust in one another's uh, uh, love for, for each other. Earlier this year, friend and executive producer of Heart to Heart, Anna Jaworski, lost her mother. Among the many ways that she chooses to remember and honor her mother was to finish personal projects that her mother had started over the years but were left unfinished by her untimely passing. My mom has a lot of projects that she started that she didn't finish. <laughs> when my sister and I were going through the house, we couldn't believe how many different projects she had started. And one of the things that I gave my mother as a gift many years ago was some printed labels that say, handmade by Carol Dagnall. And I had made, I, I had given her a gift of, I don't know, 25 or 50 of these embroidered labels. And when I was going through all of her stuff, I saw she had never used not one of them, Michael. 
<laughs> she didn't use even one of them. But that's okay because I have them. And I found some afghans that she had made where she had not hidden any of the strings. Remember those granny square afghans I told you that I started right. with my crocheting? Right. So mom had made a bunch of those with scraps. Whenever she would make a project like a scarf or a hat and she'd have a little ball left, she'd put all these balls together. And when she had a basket full of balls, she would make these little granny squares. And then when she had enough squares, she would lay them all out on a bed and then she would make them into an afghan. So I found four of them where none of the strings were hidden. And I'm sure you can imagine tying all these knots with all these different colors. <laughs> there are a lot of strings. So I decided she has three grandchildren. I have two sons and my sister has one daughter. And so I am finishing hiding all the strings for mom and I'm sewing those labels that I have with her name on it into right. each of the Afghans to give to each of the grandkids. And since I'm working so hard, I'm keeping the fourth one. <laughs> no, but don't you think now is fortuitous that she didn't use the labels? Well, yeah, because now we can label it and everybody can remember which Afghan it was that mom gave them. I, I think that does make it a little bit more special. And also anything I find of hers now that <laughs> that I want to remember, my mother made this, I'm going to sew one of those little labels into it. So there you go. when I'm gone, if the boys are like, why did mom hold on to this? Oh, this is something me mom made. Speaking with us from Jerusalem, Rachel Greenbaum, the daughter of American author T.M. Wright, spoke of his creativity and how that had been passed down to her and to her daughter, who today is a budding writer herself. In celebration of her father, Rachel shared with us a poem that her daughter wrote entitled, My Father. My father promised me a golden dress I could twirl in. He picked me up in his arms and smiled at me and spun me around. Our teeth are bright white in the picture and our smiles are pink and shiny. My little hands are clutching the buttons on his dress shirt. He's spinning around with me high in the air. It all goes a whirl in the pixelated colors of my skin, my yellow curls bouncing and bobbing. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Our steps clicking on the yellow pavement stones in the yard as we stumbled through the shiny black mirror puddles. He said, it's all right if the puddles get your dress a little bit wet. Our steps accelerate, increase in scope. Running forward towards kindergarten, then to school, to the army, to university, to a wedding, to children, to work, to grandchildren, to love, to sorrow, to joy to trauma, to accidents and surprises, to disappointment and expectation and grief and excitement, to everything and all and more and more of everything. My legs keep moving in fast forward. Until I get it, the golden dress for twirling. I think I deserve it. After all, it's what my father promised me. Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. 
You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Michael's program, please email him at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to our program. The world is full of controversy, and 2018 was no exception. When Lynn Machado's daughter, Marlise, died suddenly in 2013, she was 14 weeks pregnant. After she was pronounced brain-dead and the doctors were about to disconnect her from life support, they were stopped by a little-known law in Texas that forbade disconnecting life support from a pregnant patient. Marlise's parents argued that Marlise had already passed and was therefore not a patient. As the weeks went by, it became clear that the zygote would not survive a full pregnancy and the family had no recourse but to take the case public. A documentary film, 62 Days, told the wrenching story of Marlise, and eventually the court sided with the family. Lynn told us of the meaning of her daughter's legacy. There was controversy because people were trying to often make it pro-choice or pro-life, and that was never our intent. We said from the very beginning, this is not pro-choice, this is not pro-life, this is about honoring our daughter's wishes for a DNR. And, and we still stand committed to that to this day. Okay, and then you were contacted privately on Facebook by somebody. How did that turn around? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Rebecca Heimowitz, who is a, a documentary filmmaker from New York, contacted me privately on Facebook and uh, had said she'd been following the story and was uh, heartbroken about it, and then she was contacting me to see if I, we would be agreeable to meet with her because she would like to do a documentary on what we were going through. And she felt it was important uh, to shine a light on the present Texas law that gives the hospital administrators the authority to overtly disobey an individual's explicit end-of-life wishes, which is what my daughter had. There was never a, a second doubt in, in any of our minds, in Eric's or my husband or myself, about what our da- daughter wanted. I'd like to end with a quote from Robert Kennedy, quote, each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope and crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring Those ripples build a current that can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. Christina Whalen introduced us to the memory of her daughter, Jay Lee, who passed away at four months old while waiting for a heart transplant. Christina has two heart-healthy sons, and it is important for her that they not lose the memory of their tiny sister. She told us some of the things they do to keep Jay Lee's memory alive. We try to include her and her memory in as much as possible. Um, so we do visit her grave a couple times a week. Um, it's really important to us to keep her gravesite looking nice and um, to just create that special spot to come and remember her. Um, Ezekiel calls it, think about sissy. That's what he calls oh. her gravesite. Yeah, so we, we spend a lot of time there. Um, we talk about her all the time and, um, the color purple, I won't get into the whole story, but the color purple is something that really reminds us of her. So whenever we see purple or we have a color choice, we choose purple. Um, and it always makes her feel a part of our day in that little way. And then, um, on her birthday and, um, the anniversary of her passing, We usually um, do a balloon release or something special to really 
um, you know, take that time as a family to celebrate her and to grieve her at the same time as well. Well, I don't see a, a contradiction there. I think it's okay to grieve and celebrate. Um, you're celebrating their life. You're celebrating their their happiness, and you're celebrating the the time. Uh, and and you're grieving that that has a, has ended, but you, you, it doesn't have to end in 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 any final kind of way. That's I, a I really good believe, point. I think one of the things that that one of the reasons that we do this, and and we certainly here in our house remember our daughter and celebrate her whenever we can. But the idea of keeping her close to us, even as a memory, keeps her alive for us. Matt Creedon spoke of his son Chase, who died at six years old from HLHS. Matt celebrates Chase by remembering his inner strength and strong will. Chase lived hard and played hard, never giving in to his pain or his heart defect. That strength of character is Chase's legacy. I would say for, for all of us, uh, one of the things that we do to celebrate his life is to try to keep his life fresh in our minds and keep uh, his attitude towards life fresh in our in our memory he was a light he was such a light uh and he had an impact on everybody that met him and he lived life he he did not he didn't worry about how much pain he was in he didn't worry about the fact that he was at 75 percent oxygen (laughs) saturation he just he just lived and so that's so just by doing that, I think we're we're celebrating him. The other thing uh, we did at his at the school that he was going to, he was in kindergarten at the time. We had a little award that was in his name, where we gave their kindergarten kids a, a little um, a monetary award. It went towards the tuition of the school. I want you to tell me about the the day that he died and how that all sort of came together. Um. Yeah, my mom died of, of ovarian cancer uh, very, very quickly uh, in the summer before uh, Chase died. So when Chase became sick and, and he died, there was some comfort in knowing that, that she was there uh, waiting for him, waiting for him. And something very profound happened. I, at least I, I saw it that even that day, uh, I realized, realized that uh, the day that Chase died was very cold and rainy. And, and just a miserable, a miserable winter day in, in Pennsylvania, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And uh, when, when my son and I were gone, to, we, we had gone to the movies. Uh, we were going to stop at the store. Uh, when my son and I were coming out of the store, uh, it, was, it was sunny and warm. And it was, it was a completely different day. And that happened to be right about the time when Chase died. And... And ever since then, I, I knew, I knew in my heart that that was, that was, when God uh, reached down and 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 rescued him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in terrible pain. He was suffering so badly. Um, I prayed for, for God to take his pain away, and that, I prayed as hard as I could for that, mm-hmm. and and he did. He came down, and uh, I I feel like he just reached down and saved him. Julia Wagner spoke to us about her daughter Lizzie, who died suddenly, just weeks short of her 13th birthday. Julia is a mother of six, and Lizzie was her oldest daughter. Her family has developed a truly original way to celebrate Lizzie's short life with the entire family by concentrating on the happiest of moments and turning that into an annual tradition. So every year we had a family dance and then she passed away and Valentine's day came around and 
we're all kind of looking at each other and do we continue this tradition? And the kids were like, well, we can't have a family dance without, you know, it'll be hard to do it without Lizzie, but we can't not have it. And so I went to the grocery store of all places just before Valentine's Day and was walking through the grocery store and they had these huge, gigantic stuffed animals. And surprise, surprise, sitting on top was this huge pink lizard. And Lizzie loved lizards. That was one of her nicknames. Um, And she actually didn't mind the nickname lizard. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And she thought it was great. And so there's this gigantic pink lizard. And I was like, what are the odds? So I bought the lizard, took it home. We had the family dance and we still do it every year now. And we still have the big pink lizard and it comes down and everybody takes turns dancing with Lizzie the lizard since Lizzie can't be with us physically. So that's one thing that we do. All right. So let's talk about Christmas. Okay. So Christmas, um, that was another really special one. It was another, of course, really hard holiday as it came up was how do we cope with getting through Christmas? And I was getting ready to, we were decorating the house and I pulled out the Christmas stockings and, you know, we hang them in order of age. And so, you know, she's the third one I hang and I picked up her stocking and I just sat and stared at it. And, Mm. you know, of course I I cried and I was like, what do I, I can't bear to have this stocking hanging there empty. But, you know, what, but I can't not hang it. And so I talked with my husband and we said, well, what if we fill the stocking with acts of service and encourage Mm -hmm. the family to serve each other and other people? And what if we ask other people to send in acts of service and we can put them in the stocking? And that's what we did. We gathered our family and told them what our plan was and they were really excited And so they would go around all of December finding every way they could possibly think of to do something nice for their siblings or for a neighbor or just someone in the community. And we put it out on Facebook and we had her friends and even strangers that found out about it sending in acts of service that they had done so that we could put them in Lizzie's stocking. And we tell people, we're like, it can be anything that's been done throughout the year. So we have some people now that, like, save them all up all year long, and they send them to us in December. So then Lovely. after everything's done on Christmas Day, after we've opened all the presents and done all of our usual things, we gather around and take Lizzie's stocking down and read all the service that was done. C.J. Anderson is a mother of four. As she describes it, two are here and two reside in heaven. Herself a grief counselor, CJ has reached a sense of peace and closure by discovering that gratitude for the time spent with her two sons who passed on has opened a door through which she can celebrate and remember them for all the good moments they had together. She's been able to teach this to others through her grief workshop. Easing the pain of others has also helped ease her own pain. We learn to have gratitude all through the year as we move through grief because I have a this is my milestone year it'll be 10 years uh, Christmas Eve 2008 that um, Ben passed from this earth so since then you know I've learned a lot and we talked about a lot of the things that we already do for to share the gratitude but I think the gratitude just changes everything I mean if you can reach a point of gratitude it changes your whole perspective gratitude is better for your health Um, It brings peace into your life. 
I think, to tell you the truth, that my struggle really ended when I became grateful for the time that I had with my children. So mm. um, that's why I continue to celebrate their lives in a, in a positive way. What I really love about gratitude is that gratitude unlocks the fullness of the love um, that we experienced here on Earth with our children. You know, God gave us, I think it's 84,600 seconds a day. And um, I think that in choosing gratitude, that it fulfills our life. Our life is more full. And I choose to use those seconds um, to be grateful for the time that I had my children here on earth. And Melody Beattie says, gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. And I really love that. This program is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.hug-podcastnetwork.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. I was five hours old when I had my first surgery. Wow. The only advice I can really give someone like that is to be there for your family. This is life and you have two choices. You either live it or you sit in a corner and cry. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of Heart to Heart with Anna. Join us on Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time on Spreaker, our blog talk radio. We'll cover topics of importance for the congenital heart defect community. Remember, my friends, you are not alone. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our program, please send an email to Michael Lieben at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Michael. So what have we learned in this year of celebration? Many of our guests have told us that when their loved ones passed, they were paralyzed, unable even to get out of bed. But something changed for all of them. And all of them found a reason to get up and to continue with their lives. And this, I believe, is the common thread and lesson of 2018. We all miss our loved ones. We all grieve for them in different ways every single day. But all of us have taken on the task of remembering them in love and gratitude. Yes, gratitude. Each of us has realized in our own way that how we remember our loved ones is how they will be remembered by others. So why do we get out of bed? because the memories of our loved ones call to us each and every day to do something in their honor. Then the torch will be passed to those who come after us to remember those who came before us. By keeping them loved, we keep them near, and they are never far from us. They live on within us, and we carry on their work and their lives each and every day. This being for many a season of holiday and hope for the year to come. I'd like to thank all the people who work on Heart to Heart with Michael, from executive producer Anna Jaworski, producer Nancy Jensen, to the art teams, the writers, and all those who do their part to make this program a reality. I hope and pray that maybe we've come together to help someone this year find a little comfort, a little closure, and gratitude for the time spent with those we have lost. 
I would like to thank our guests who have given of themselves and opened up their deepest wounds to share with all of us their innermost thoughts. And in wishing you a happy 2019, please remember that our loved ones are still with us as long as we keep them in our hearts. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you have gained strength from listening to our program. Heart to Heart with Michael can be heard every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next time when we'll share more stories. 